At the height of the pandemic, stress and worry were taking a toll on a lot of us, and Jalisa was no exception. She needed an escape to take her mind off things. I mean, I ended up having COVID at some point. I'm absolutely terrified that my grandparents would catch it. I have one grandmother now who's dealing with cancer. I just have immunocompromised folks in my space. And of course, even being a person of color, you're always concerned about how the medical system will genuinely treat you. So there was this fear of, I really don't want to get sick. I don't want to have to be hospitalized. There's this stigma of Black folks and bodies and making sure we get proper treatment. As luck would have it, a couple friends invited her to start a new life on a remote island, away from the bustle of the city. So Jalisa decided to give it a shot. But once she got there, she quickly got into debt just trying to set up her new home. Fortunately though, this wasn't an ordinary island. This place Jalisa had traveled to was actually a virtual one in the video game Animal Crossing. And the man she had taken a loan from was not so much a man as he was an anthropomorphic raccoon named Tom Nook. Yeah, let's talk about Tom, my main man Tom. So when you first join the game, um, you join this pretty much barren island. Your uh, guide, I would say, is Tom Nook and his two little friends that end up running your, your island shop. So whenever you want to upgrade from like the little tent that you first get on the island to like a bigger house, he's like, great, that'll be a loan of 300,000 bells. And then you have to basically fish, forage, I don't know, not completely Robin Steel, but I would go to other islands and get really high treasure things and sell them and then get bells that way just to pay off my loans. And it was loans for everything. So like if you wanted to get another room in your house, that's another loan. If you wanted storage, that's another loan. If you wanted to build a bridge, it's another loan. Like it's just, you know, on one hand, I think it teaches folks about the economy. On the other hand, he's a crook. He's a crook. I don't care what anybody says, he's a crook. Hello, I'm Lionel Nicolau. And I'm Alana Whites. And this is Culture Jumpers, stories about making the jump from one cultural context to another. Today on the show, we follow two BIPOC gamers who dove into the virtual world of Animal Crossing and finally found a comfort that had eluded them for so long. So our first guest for today's show is Eurice McNeil, who's an avid gamer, live streamer, actor, and at the time of this recording, grad school student. We'll get to Animal Crossing in a bit, but first, we wanted to give you some context for what Eurice's experience with gaming had been like before. You know, when I started playing video games, because like my mom is very uh, protective of me, she was never wanting me to go outside. And... I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I guess I got to do something in here. And I turned to video games. Yuri's played a lot of different games throughout high school, like The Sims, Call of Duty, and Assassin's Creed. But once college started in 2018, gaming began to take a backseat. When I went into college, I stopped for like two years because, you know, I was being social. That was my social butterfly moment. And then COVID was like, no. And then I was like, okay. Everyone went into lockdown. Classes went virtual. With few ways to see other people in person, Eurice went back to video games to pass the time. When the pandemic first hit, I just got my PS4. And so I had a ton of games on that. So I basically finished every game on my PS4, every game on my PC, every game on my Xbox. I was like, okay, what else do I have? So in late 2020, Yuri started playing Valorant, 
which had just come out earlier that summer. Sage is definitely Oh, just kidding. Oh. Hey, There's somebody's mid coming flank. It's a hero shooter game, which is a subgenre of first person shooting games where you get unique abilities depending on which class of characters you pick. Valorant, for example, has four, four classes. classes Duelist, Controller, Sentinel, and um, Initiator. And they're just like filled with all walks of life. You know, like Killjoy is a Sentinel. She just has like abilities to kind of like hold the site down and that's how sentinels are usually like once you get on site you hold it down um raises a duelist which is the exact opposite she's basically like you run in and you just destroy everybody you know just keep diffusing just keep diffusing yeah the rain out having a bit of a competitive streak Yuri's loved playing Valorant, and was really drawn to how all the characters in the game represented so many different backgrounds, genders, and sexualities. For example, Raze and Killjoy, the two characters Yuri's just mentioned, are in a same-sex relationship. And the game also features characters from the Philippines, Korea, Brazil, the UK, and a ton of other countries. But, even though Valorant had so much diversity in its character designs, it unfortunately still shared a lot of the same problems that most first-person shooters have. Namely, the way other people act over chat and multiplayer. They hate people who are, like, non-binary or women, you know. Like, they hear your voice in, like, a higher pitch, and they're like, are you a 12-year-old boy? And you're like, no, I'm a girl. And they're like, oh, go back to the kitchen. You know, they mention those jokes. Um, you say you're part of the LGBTQ, they will start saying, like, the F slur. Do you feel like... You're afraid to be your authentic self in those kind of games. Did you kind of try to hide yourself? So with Valorant, you can't really change the characters, but you can change your like player card, which is like when you first load into the game, everybody sees their player card and their name and stuff like that. And I remember when anybody has their player card as the pride card, everybody will shit on you. They will just say like the worst things. You get into a lobby and then you go, hi. And then they're like, shut up, go to the kitchen while I hate you. Like, and then they start saying stuff. And I'm like, bro, you, what are you doing? <laughs> and I don't play certain characters anymore. Um, when you first start Valorant, there are five agents that you can start off with. And I start off with Sage. Sage is a sentinel who heals people, very big support character. And it's a big stereotype that all women play Sage. And it's because, you know, they're like, women like to support and stuff like that. So usually when you pick Sage, they just like immediately assume you're a woman. And then they'll just knock you for everything. And it got to the point where I'm just like, I don't want to play Sage anymore because like, I don't want people to just hate me the minute I get into the game. On top of the sexism and homophobia, the culture wasn't particularly friendly towards black gamers like Yuri's either. Sometimes you don't even like say stuff, they'll just start like saying the n-word because I just remember the few times like maybe I 100% like absolutely destroyed the other team. You know, I was going crazy on him. And then just in the chat, they just start typing n space i space g you know they'll like find ways to type it in chat because some of those words are banned and they will still do everything that they can to get that through you know it's crazy because like 
when people just want to like be insulting, it's always against the black community when they are talking about race. Yuris hasn't been completely scared off of shooter games like Valorant, but knowing that there's nasty elements always lurking around the corner, waiting to spring up at any moment in the game, that's really unfortunate. Because it means that the game can never be a complete escape from the depressing state of the world. I could spend days, nights on in another world where I could be the person that helped solve the problem. And like, you know, I could be Spider-Man. I could be an assassin. I could be a horse. Like, I could be whatever I wanted to be and not feel like the repercussions of life at that time and it was like the minute I would drop it and like go on my phone like I would see news after news of like shootings and people dying and just like everything terrible and I would go back to these games and then have fun with people but how can I do that now if all I'm going to hear is to kill myself and to get off these games and like go back to the kitchen and all these terrible things I'm sure like a lot of us enjoy playing games and it's a way for us to like escape the world, but don't make it unbearable. And like a place that was once somebody's comfort is now somebody's trigger. With the pandemic, the terribleness of the world became more than just a headline. It affected Yuris personally too. You see, Yuris is actually mixed race and has always felt a little out of place culturally. I would go to my mom's and I felt like I couldn't relate because I was like the one black person here. I go to my dad's, I'm like, I'm the one Filipino person here. (laughs) And so I just felt like I couldn't belong in each space, nor could I learn in each space. Yuris had started to make progress getting in tune with both cultures in college, but two things happened during the pandemic that just made Yuris feel alienated all over again. First, activism within the Black community hit new highs following the deaths of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor in 2020. As Black Americans pushed for reforms to the country's policing systems, structural racism and inequality became a part of the national conversation. But... As is usually the case when a minority group tries to fight for change, people push back. I worked at a sushi place during COVID. And if you really look, if you talk to me, you could see it. Yes, I'm like mixed. You can tell. But most people assume I'm 100% black just because of like my hair and everything. So I remember I was at the restaurant, you know, it was a long day. I was sitting at the register and... I had this guy come in and, you know, I was just like, oh, hey, what do you want? I think he got a California roll. It's just something, you know, small. And I was like, okay, will that be all for you? And he's like, yeah. And he goes, you're the reason that us white men are having trouble out here. And I was like, what do I do? I'm trying to sell you sushi. You know, I, huh? (laughs) I didn't expect it to happen. At the same time, Asian Americans were dealing with a string of violent attacks against their community. 
but some of the solutions people wanted to address that violence involved more policing, the very thing that the black community was trying to reform. A lot of black and Asian Americans just couldn't see eye to eye. And Yuri's felt caught in the middle. It kind of got in like a weird place where people expected me to pick who I was in support of, Black Lives Matter or Asian lives. And I was like, how can I pick? I am both. (laughs) I was born half and half. I can't choose. But people just were like, you have to draw the line. And because I couldn't pick, people just made it sound like I just didn't side with them because I couldn't pick. And so the way that like a lot of people just got really weird at that point in time to me and even like some family, because I guess like people just kind of forgot how to talk to me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I have a lot. That's that, that's for another time. <laughs> I was like, hey, you have me for a talk that maybe doesn't have to do with gaming and maybe that experience. Oh, I've got. I mean, maybe it does. Like, is there a connection at all? Hmm. I guess, like, my only connection is that, like, it was just easier to turn to, like, soft games at the time just because it was like, well, I can make a world that doesn't have this problem. <laughs> like, ha ha ha. Um, you know, and those were, like, the things that I would just go home to after, like, a really stressful day of having to deal with people saying stuff to me constantly, you know, either having to do with being Asian or having to do with being Black. And I was just like, I'm tired. Hey, villagers, what are you up to today? And, you know, spend some time on, like, Animal Crossing. Yuris got into Animal Crossing about a year and a half into the pandemic, after a bad breakup led to some retail therapy and a splurge on a Nintendo Switch. I knew that everybody was like addicted to it at the time, and I was just like, I, I don't want to fall into this trap. Um, spoiler alert, I did fall into the <laughs> trap. Um, and I'm still falling way, way deep in the trap. It's just something about like each and every one of them that I love. Like I have Julian, who is a unicorn. Well, he's a horse, but he looks like a unicorn. Hazel is a squirrel with a unibrow. And I love Hazel. Ketchup, who is a duck that looks like a tomato. Dom is the cutest sheep. Little white fluffy sheep, and he's got a tie-dye shirt. You would not- Tucker was, um, so he's like an elephant that was dressed like a mammoth. Tucker is a lazy octopus that looks like a takoyaki ball. But he's truly adorable, and he's- He's actually the one that constantly keeps telling me that we are, like, in a simulation. So he's kind of like my little crackhead that sits in the corner and, like, says stuff. A lot of the game is silly and whimsical like this. But when it came to representing different cultures and backgrounds in the game, Animal Crossing took that very seriously. Like, they have all these, like, little holidays and things that you could do with them. And then they even had, like, maybe all my villagers actually go, like, oh, happy Lunar New Year. And, like, something that they would just mention. They're like, we celebrated the New Year twice. That means more food. That's what, like, the lazies would say. Something along the lines of that. But it, it's kind of cool how they have, you know, people's cultures in the game. Why is that important to you? 
I guess because, you know, growing up, I didn't get to see a lot of representation for things that, like, you know, went with me. And also, I didn't even realize how much there was in the world, like, because there wasn't representation for that stuff either. Even, like, seven, eight years ago, I wasn't even able to make myself, like, in any game. You know, when I played, like, The Sims, for example, like, I didn't have the hairstyles that, like, matched me. So I was already, like, since I was younger, creating characters that didn't look anything like me. And, you know, this is a game that I'm going to constantly see all the time. Going into this interview, I expected the conversation to just be about how gaming provided an escape from real-world stress and responsibilities. I mean, that's kind of what games like Animal Crossing are known for, right? So, what I wasn't expecting to hear was how it actually made Yuri's feel more productive, even in real life. You know, the idea of getting out of bed sometimes is like way harder than it actually is. When you're in Animal Crossing, it just like throws you outside. You don't even get the moment of like, oh, I'm waking up. It's like, nope, I'm awake. I'm ready for the day. And, you know, they have their like little task that they want you to do. They're like, oh, you could get more nook miles if you do this little thing. Like I know sometimes because it's winter, it's like build a snowman. And I'm like, bet. And I always mess up the snowman and the snowman yells at me every time because I'm just not coordinated with making the snowman. But it's still something where it's like it gives you like the little nook miles. They're like, oh, yeah, you did it. And it's something that you kind of feel like great working towards. So, you know, maybe it'll take like five minutes, but already starting my day. I kind of feel like I've done a lot. And it's just small things. I haven't even left my bed at this point. I'm just like picking up my switch off the side of my bed. Like time to get on Animal Crossing. Play that for like 30 minutes, put it away. And then I'm now wide awake and can get up and feel like I can do anything. Yuri's experience of Animal Crossing reminded me of some of the sandbox and simulation games that I loved playing back in the day, like SimCity and Rollercoaster Tycoon. The way they make you feel accomplished, the way you can build your own little world in just the way you want. Even some of the more cutesy parts of Animal Crossing actually didn't feel all that new to me. But I think what elevates Animal Crossing from this useful distraction to the pop culture phenomenon that it's become is the way that it weaves kindness into its game design. It reveals itself in small ways, but when it does, it hits hard. Because it feels like such a precious thing during this time when Everything in the world seems like it's about to fall apart. It was the week of my birthday this past year. And I... It was also the week of my graduate project meeting, which meant, like, this is going to be the project, whether we decide if you graduate or not. I was working night shift stuff, too, so that was kind of, like, crazy, where I would, like, get from school and then, like, drive far and then work, like, a 10 to 6. And I was already feeling down because I didn't care about grad school at this point because I had one of my professors tell me, um, since, like, my grandpa 
Rudy died in October and I kind of told her like hi sorry like I was just dealing with that and she told me like nobody cares that your grandpa died and so I was sitting there at this point just going like everything just feels like fucked up I'm trying to keep my head up it's my 22nd birthday and I gotta be happy somehow (laughs) And I picked up Animal Crossing, and I totally forgot that they celebrate your birthday. And so I get into the game, and Dom is at the door, and he's like, Happy birthday, you know, like, oh, come with me. And he had, like, a surprise party in his house with two other villagers, Ketchup and Zucker, And they were all like, happy birthday. And like, I just started crying because like, everything just felt so down. And I know, I know they're characters in a game. (laughs) And it's a duck, an octopus, and a sheep that have a pinata for me and are telling me happy birthday. But it just made my day. You know, they gave me a cupcake, I got to hit the pinata, and I think they had, like, K.K. Slider, who is, um, a dog who comes every weekend, every Saturday, to, like, sing and do some little tunes and stuff like that. And his music's great. (laughs) Um, He came and sang Happy Birthday, and then it also gave me messages from all the other villagers. So it was like, oh, Tucker says happy birthday. And, you know, he had his little goofy message and all that stuff. And I was just like, so happy. Cause like, I guess at that point, none of my friends said like happy birthday. And I was just like, you know, everything's falling apart. And then they said it. And I was just like, this is the best thing ever. They celebrated my birthday, and that's all I wanted. For our next guest, we talked to someone who found comfort not just in the virtual world of Animal Crossing, but also in a broader community of Black gamers who played the game as well. Here's Jaleesa again, whom you heard from at the top of the show. So I, at the time, was a director of operations of a hair care company, um, a multi-million dollar hair care company. I'd just been promoted to this role. I was just starting to develop staff. Part of my role of responsibility was transitioning our company from sort of in-person to remote work. We were dealing with a lot of stresses that I think retail went through in the 20s, right? Uh, We were dealing with layoffs. We were dealing with supply chain issues. We were dealing with warehouse staffing issues. It just became, it was difficult. It was difficult to kind of manage the ship through all of that. And it was a lot to even manage, you know, a company through the financials up and downs of a business. People are dealing with the recession. I mean, there was just, there's so many different factors on top of the fact that People were dealing with genuine illness, right? And like people's families were getting ill. People were dealing with a lot of loss. And I don't know that we took a breath in all of that. I feel like people were very much expected to still produce in all of that. At the start of 2021, people were just starting to get vaccinated. 
and there was this glimmer of hope that maybe things would start opening up again soon. We would feel safe going back to having happy hours, large gatherings, celebrations, all the things that helped make the stresses of work more bearable. But Jalisa wasn't quite ready for all that yet. On top of not wanting to get COVID herself, she was still worried about the more vulnerable members of her family getting sick. So I had a group of friends that uh, ended up going by their house and going, look, I need a new hobby. And my friends were like, well, you're married to a gamer. Do you ever game? And immediately I was like, hold on. I used to have a GameCube back in the day. I had a Game Boy Color back in the day. I used to play Pokemon, Sapphire, and Ruby and all sorts of crazy things. So I was like, wait, wait, hold on. I used to have this little bit of like a gaming, not obsession, but it was like a little hobby that I had back in high school. And my friends were like, um, sis, you know, the game just evolved to a Nintendo Switch. And I was like, hold up. What is this? And it was at this point that Jaleesa's friends introduced her to Animal Crossing. My two friends were like, well, have you ever looked into kind of cozy gaming? And I'm like, all right, what's kind of that? And the next thing I know, I just walked into what literally felt like this whole other world. They're like Animal Crossing islands were crazy decorated. They're little animal people. Like their persona had crazy outfits. Like I remember walking onto their island and walking, I mean, in like the digital space, walking onto their island and not realizing like this game had so much possibility. I'm like, wait, do you have a yacht on your island? Like, what is this? Like, how do you even get to this level? And then my friends were like, oh, don't worry, my child. Like, it'll all, it'll all come in time. And I'm just like, okay. Getting into the game was pretty daunting. There was so much to do and so much to build before Jaleesa could get her island to start looking like the vision that was in her head. But Jaleesa's friends helped guide her through it with lots of tips and even gifts along the way. Okay, so my friends have very established islands, okay? Some of these folks have been crossing animals for a while. So for me, when I invited my folks to my island, I, of course, was like a little embarrassed because my island wasn't super hooked up. It very much looked like the raw island, you know? But my friends were still so supportive and like coming over and telling me that my little decorations were cute and telling me (laughs) that like my little flower garden was nice. And I remember when I first got a bathroom, my friends gifted me like this really cool like jacuzzi tub and they gifted me like this like African art piece that's I think like the little Nefertiti piece where she kind of has her eye a little missing they gifted me that and they were like oh my goodness it would go so good in your bathroom and they like gifted me little things and trinkets and gifts really based on how they saw like my island vibe going but for me What I think was most kind of cool was just how excited they were and how I was designing my island. And they kind of took the pressure of like perfectionism off, if that makes sense. Because I remember when I first played Animal Crossing, I felt like I wasn't doing it fast enough or like, oh man, like my island doesn't look as cool as some of these other islands. And my friends were very good at being like, well, no, this comes with time. (laughs) Like, People who have these really amazing islands have also been playing this game for a really long time. And the value of your island is beautiful. And so it made me feel like even more so I had permission to kind of not compare myself to anyone else, to kind of do my own thing. I'm like, guys, like, should I do this on my island or this on my island? And they're just like, we're not going to tell you what to do. Do whatever you want. Like, there was like this beautiful, like, encouraging of me to just kind of explore and really get into that part of the game. So I think my friends in some ways introduced me back into play. And that felt really valuable and like a free form of play. And that feels so foreign. Like that's not, 
a concept in my life. By, by profession, I'm a project manager. So everything has a deadline. Everything has a goal. Everything has deliverables, right? So I'm constantly going, okay, what do we have to do? What are we doing next? And this game kind of forces you to slow down and break that mentality a little bit of like, well, there's no right, there's no wrong. So yeah, I think it, it taught me to have some of that perspective and get okay with not always having to grind for something as an outcome. With Jaleesa fully absorbed in the game, she and her friend group had another shared pastime that they could bond over. They even had a nickname for themselves. So the same group of friends that introduced me to the game, we called ourselves like the villagers. <laughs> so <laughs> and that's literally the name of our little iMessage chat group. And whenever we were having a really tough day or if ever folks were just stressed out, we legitimately would FaceTime each other while playing Animal Crossing. So we would be playing in the virtual world while talking to each other in the real world about our stresses. I mean, I had a friend at the time who was in grad school. People were transitioning jobs. There was a lot of job loss in this pandemic too. Um, My grandmother was admitted to the hospital with what we didn't know at the time was brain cancer. It's a very fatal form of cancer. And we basically found out that she has maybe two years max. The day that she decided to have her brain surgery to get her mask removed, I bought my switch to the hospital. I had my animal crossing. And I remember kind of zoning into this space where like, I didn't allow myself to be anxious about what was going on with my grandmother, partially because I believe energy is very important to healing. And so I didn't want to, approach her hospital bed or her space with this anxiety or this anxious energy that I was kind of carrying. Like if you've ever dealt with a family member going through that level of health crises, it's like every, every second feels like your breath is on edge, right? Because you're waiting to find out news, you're waiting to find out the severity of things, then you're waiting to find out biopsy results, and you're waiting to find out what chemo radiation could look like, you're waiting, like there's just so much to even find out financially how to support my grandmothers through this time, considering my grandmother who was sick is the only one working in their household and is the breadwinner of that family. So there was just a lot of, there was a lot. And in that sense, not only does like Animal Crossing, I think ground me, but also like my villager group kind of grounded me because I remember sort of reaching out to, and this was in like our little villagers chat and being like, yeah, like this is kind of deep. Like I might need to cross some animals tonight. Like who got me? Like whose island can I come to? And I remember like the night after we had gotten my grandmother officially home, um, I just sat down and just gamed with my people for like two and a half hours, just like exchanging gifts, just chatting like, sis, are you good? Because I've been holding so much weight. I've been holding so much weight of having to coordinate everything. I'm the one managing, talking to the nurses. I was also the one managing at my grandmother's work. I'm in contact with both of her bosses, texting everyone, letting them know what's going on, which is going to be discharged. I'm coordinating food, coordinating rides, coordinating gifts. So like being able to just have my game where I know everything's going to be fine. I know everything is predictable. I know I can play in whatever way I want to play gave a lot of comfort in a time where things were incredibly unpredictable. Jaleesa couldn't always play live with her villagers group, but that was okay, because her friends had also introduced her to this online community that had sprung up around the game. A community that called itself the Mellowverse for Black Folk. When I started playing Animal Crossing, my friends introduced it to me, were like, sis, you have to join 
this Facebook group. Like there's a whole Facebook group for black folks who play Animal Crossing. And I think back then it was literally called Animal Crossing for black folk. I joined the group. I think you have to do one of those Facebook questionnaires. You have to answer some like blackity black question. And then they're like, okay, cool. I guess you're black. <laughs> right? You get into this group and the community was outstanding. Like I remember like folks would host these little days where folks could come to their island and they could gift them things. There were folks that hosted little parties on their island. Like they'll ask you to come dress in a certain attire. Like we're having like a 20 theme party <laughs> at seven o'clock Eastern. Here's my code. Come join my island. What's like the coolest event that you attended with the Meloverse? Oh, what would, what would I say is the coolest? I would probably say there was one guy on Facebook. He used to host these like firework parties. So every Saturday, I want to say during the summertime, your island will have these fireworks. And so what he would do is set up this really cute display right when you get out of his airport. He would have like streamers and drinks and like little things that your character can pick up and like walk around with. And then we'd just run around his islands and like let off poppers and stuff while all these fireworks were going on. And his villagers were just clapping and getting excited because the fireworks were happening. And then we were chatting in the game. And he was sort of giving me tips of like, oh, well, if you have like a fruit that's native to your island, you can bring it here and sell it for more money. And I was like, wait, what? Like that's a way you can get bells? It felt homey. Like it felt like I could ask any question. I felt like I was in safe space. And it just felt like this little teeny world where we were just excitable and jumping around and having our characters do all kind of crazy stuff. And I mean, you can even teach your characters to do different emotions and different different traits. So at one point we're like being excited and we're all just clapping and all of our characters, you know, it just created this beautiful little space of celebration that I don't think we had a lot of. A lot of folks were still, again, nervous to like go outside. People weren't really socializing in big groups like that. So it was neat to be able to have an island with eight people on it all running around and we're all chatting and going back and forth. They're like, where are you from? Or, oh, I'm on the East Coast. Or I'm actually in Alaska. So it created this like national little community that you can hang out in. What makes Animal Crossing different from other simulator games like, say, Farmville? And one of the reasons it resonated so strongly with the Black community was its extensive customization features. In Animal Crossing, you control an in-game representation of yourself, which you can customize however you want. And while the game didn't have as many options that worked for Black folks when it first launched in early 2020, it added them as free updates fairly quickly afterwards. For example, it added Afro Puffs as a hairstyle less than a year after launch, and then added Waves the following year which is pretty fast compared to similar games. What does your avatar look like? Does it look like your real world self or is it different? Yeah, it's slightly different. So my avatar goes through two different phases. And I think the distinction is the hair color, (laughs) which is kind of reflective of my real life self too. So in real life, I have like blue colored locks. (laughs) So I really don't mind playing with my avatar's hair color. I think right now she's green. She's a green girl. There's two different hairstyles that I consider very black. One of them is like this middle part with the hair kind of falling to the sides. But then there's another hairstyle that actually is braided back into two Afro puffs. So I'll sort of bounce between those two. But I did notice my character almost always wears glasses, which is very much me in real life. My character almost always wears sneakers. 
She's a sneakerhead, which is absolutely me in real life. You will not catch me in a hill. You will not catch me in a flip-flop. I'm really not that kind of girl. Um, and my character also just has, in my opinion, I think she has an amazing wardrobe. So there are definitely parts of her that are me. And it's even to the point where I've had friends come over. They're like, dang, yo, your wardrobe is sick. I'm like, I know. I curate this thing. It's popping. <laughs> um, do you think representation-wise, especially since you hang out with this Black community within the universe, are there enough options for everybody to be able to reflect themselves if they want to? Or are there sort of like a couple default options and everybody looks like a variation of each other? I would say in the beginning, there definitely weren't enough options. And that was a big complaint from this group. And I think there was actually a lot of noise that this group created to actually get more options that represented more Afro or Afro type hair and features. Um, I would say it's not super broad ranging, but it definitely feels like enough that you can see yourself in the character. The game still isn't perfect, but there's enough flexibility in its general design so that people in the Mellowverse can create workarounds. I would love to see a version where like, you can have tattoos or something. And people have done it in like kind of creative ways. So what people have done is they've created clothing that looks like your body that has tattoos on it, but it's not actually you. <laughs> but you can find designs online of like, for instance, there's not really like bikinis, quote unquote, in Animal Crossing, but folks have designed clothing that makes it look like your character is wearing bikinis. Like I've actually found little like bikini outfits that someone designed in various skin tones. So you can literally just go take their design, download it to your little island phone and replicate the outfit. And that was inclusive because there were tons of skin tones that she designed for. So I feel like folks have kind of taken it into their own hands. So since you tried to make your avatar look like yourself in real life, why was it important for you to do that as opposed to creating a character that looks nothing like you? Mm. I think there's always this need to want to represent yourself. I think Black folks in general are always kind of looking for that in our media. And so when I'm playing a game where I can curate that, I'm absolutely going to, right? I can't necessarily curate it on every single Netflix Hulu drama that comes out. I can't always curate the cultural stories that are told around Black folks, there's like a level of not only just representation, but also maybe a little bit of control, right? Like you're able to control the narrative and that's not a freedom that Black folks get in real life. So it's kind of nice to see it and live that in this game world, right? Where I'm like, huh, I'm feeling like a blue hair kind of day and I can just go over to a mirror in the game and just change my character's hair, right? There's, there's I think, enjoy in seeing yourself reflected back as closely as you can. I think it's nice to input yourself in a narrative that is also inherently positive. It feels good. I think that feels good. What are the things in real life that you feel keep you from having that control, having that freedom? Mm, I think it's just the way we sort of societally are, right? Like I consider myself a bigger body person. And I think about the narrative around bigger body Black films. I'll choose Lizzo as an example, how the world went crazy because she played a flute that belong to a former enslaver, right? Like I think about how Lizzo in this situation was really trying to one, celebrate her own talents, but really celebrate American history in a sense. The story of that flute even, the fact that it was saved by Black slaves. So it's like, that was the story. And I think the connection that folks were trying to make, but what was written was 
here's this fat black woman playing this instrument and like how dare she she doesn't have the right and she doesn't have the da 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 mind you she's a classically trained flautist right and like people didn't even know this flute existed the narrative that's often placed on the physicality on the existence of black folks like we see it all the time when we do have unfortunately these killings of black men and women the narrative that is often told is oh well he sold cigarettes illegally or oh he had burner DVDs and CDs, or he was walking with some Skittles and, oh, one time he got detention in high school. Or, oh, he did this, that, and the third. It's like they always seek out the negativity besides humanizing who these people are and were, like their fathers, their sisters, their aunts, their uncles, their community members. Like there's so much that we just dehumanize around Black folks in order to make ourselves comfortable with what's going on. It's one of those things where you don't always get to control how the story is told. So like to combat that, to have a space that was completely humanizing felt like, I can only describe it, like a good, a good little cocoa butter lotion. Today's episode of Culture Jumpers was hosted by me, Lino Nicolau, and Alana Whites. We're produced and edited by myself and Alana Whites. Sound design is also by me. Music by Alana Whites with additional Animal Crossing-inspired songs by Alex Cook. If you want to follow Eurice's live streams on Twitch, the handle is oixble. We'll include a link in the show notes. If you liked today's episode, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It really helps more people discover the show. And for more updates and content, follow us on all the social media platforms. Our handle is at Culture Jumpers. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Oh my goodness, you can get stung by wasps and it's corny. So one of the ways you can collect kind of free money and free items in the game is to shake trees. Mm -hmm. So if you shake a tree, then there's a chance that a wasp hive will come out and bite you, and then you look all (laughs) swollen because you have an allergic reaction. And then the other part that's kind of ignorant is like if you are bit by something and you see your villagers, sometimes they say spicy things. Like a villager will be like, oh, wow, that's your face. I didn't even know it was you. And you're like, dang, I just got... Like, insult to injury, like, and then also, too, your little villagers can get attitudes, so say you don't play the game.